Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist Church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit EagleDriveBaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. We're starting a new series this morning for the next several weeks entitled Entrusted. Uh, it's about stewarding what matters the most, and really it's about stewardship in general. And I know a lot of times when uh, someone hears the uh, pastor preaching a matter- message on stewardship or series on stewardship, immediately it's like, oh, great. It's going to talk about money, my favorite subject. Not really. I know. I got a couple of chuckles, a couple of laughs. Well, this series is so much more than money. Um, and I want you to stay with me for the next several weeks as we dive into this aspect. Uh, I am going to do a specific series on money later in the year and give some biblical principles on money because the truth is most of us really foolishly spend our money. We waste money. We waste the resources that God has given us, and, and it's hard to truly invest back into his kingdom for the eternal purpose that he has required of us. But I want to go ahead and start in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number one. So go ahead and stand if you would. First Corinthians chapter four, verse number one. We're not going to be in this passage this morning, but this kind of sets up the stage uh, for the series to come. Uh, go ahead and follow along in verse number one of first Corinthians chapter four, if you would. Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, We have to understand what the biblical definition of a steward is. A steward is a manager, someone who manages the resources of another. So let me read these verses again. Let a man so account of us. Basically, one day we will give an account of all that we have stewarded, all that we have managed, the things, the resources that God has entrusted us with. Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless us over the next several weeks as we look at what you've entrusted us with. Lord, this series goes far, far deeper than just money. It talks about our life in general. You've entrusted us with a wonderful gift of life and And you have entrusted us to manage properly, to steward properly this wonderful gift of life. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we really set the stage this morning in this very introductory message, that you would help us to understand the foundation, the biblical foundation of stewardship, where it all begins, where it all is founded. Lord, we love you, and I pray that you'd bless. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Uh, while I'm kind of setting the stage this morning, if you want to flip back to Genesis chapter 1, that's where we're going to be primarily throughout the message this morning. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be primarily. But today, as, as I said, we're starting a new series, Entrusted. Entrusted means to assign the responsibility for doing something to someone. Another definition that is a very good definition, one that I like, is this. To put something into someone's care or protection. That is exactly what God has done. He has entrusted us, first and foremost, with our life, right? It is up to us to live life the way that God intended us to live. We spent an entire series in Ecclesiastes and looked at Solomon, a man who really wasted much of his life. And if most of us were honest, 
we'd say that, you know what, we've probably wasted some of our life on foolishness. And that's really what Solomon was saying out in Ecclesiastes, that there is a way of folly, a way of foolishness, and a way of wisdom. Choosing the, the path of wisdom is, is the most honorable path. But again, as we look at this series in trust and look at this series on stewardship, a lot of people, honestly, as I said at the beginning, a lot of people despise stewardship series. And here's why. They don't have a biblical perspective. They don't have the right biblical perspective for what true biblical stewardship is all about. Because it is so much more than money. So much more than money. And I know my wife, Amanda, she's actually doing a, a little mini-series, Stewardship on Stewarding Life, uh, with the Women's Bible Study. And really encourage you, uh, the ladies, to come to that every other week. That'll be next week again on Tuesday at 6 o'clock. And there's some great principles that she's going through, a book, Stewarding Life, with the ladies on. So I really want to encourage you to be there for that. But in setting up the stage, I like how one preacher tried to illustrate his view on stewardship. He says, I'm not teaching on this because of what I want from you. The point he's making is that, you know, a lot of times people think, well, oh, great. You know, they're just going to take, you know, more offerings and try to get more out of my pocket. The preacher said, that's, that's not what this series is about. It's not that I'm trying to get more from you. He says, it's because of what I want for you. There's a difference trying to get something from us and using something to help us. So that's really what he's saying. And, and the point I'm trying to make is this. God has entrusted us with our life. I think we all understand that. It's a simple, very simple fact. God has entrusted us with our life. And it's not that he's trying to take more from us. He is trying to help us live a biblical, authentic, thriving Christian life if we are a child of God. And a lot of people don't truly thrive in their Christian life based on this aspect of stewardship because they don't have a proper perspective of it. And that's, again, what this series is about. And I want you to stay with me here. Now, quickly, and I think Amanda's already hit on this in her lady stuff, but quickly to set the stage, I want to look at three approaches to managing the resources that God has given us. And here's what typically happens. I'm just going to give them quickly, and then I'm going to hit on them. There are three things that typically happens with people and the resources. We either squander them. That's the first thing. We spend them. That's the second thing. Or we steward them. We squander, we spend, or we steward. Now I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into those this morning for just a few minutes before I go deeper into the message. God has gifted us with life, and he wants us to use life for him. But squandering basically means foolishly spending. The definition on Google, squander, is this. To waste something, especially money or time, in a reckless and foolish manner. How many have ever squandered, foolishly wasted money or time in a foolish manner? Yes. Anybody want to share an illustration? No, we'll wait for tonight or some other night to talk about that. We actually hit that question a little bit in our Ecclesiastes studies in the nighttime. And we asked, you know, what are some of the most foolish purchases that you've ever made? And we had a, you know, a plethora of options that people gave. And it was pretty funny. But a lot of times, people foolishly squander, they foolishly waste, whether it be their resources, their money, their time, on really trivial things. Um, I was looking up, you know, just on the internet this morning, what, what are some things that people waste their money on? Uh, Dave Ramsey gives a couple principles, and first of all, I want to look at it from the aspect of teens, because teens waste a lot of money. <laughs> teens waste a lot of time. 
but so do adults. You know, it's very easy for us to get on teens, to get on our, our teenagers because they weigh so much, but so do adults. So here are some of the things that Dave Ramsey mentions that teens waste much of their money on. He says, first of all, is trendy clothes and shoes. <laughs> That's going to hit deep with some of us today. Trendy clothes and shoes. He says, teens spend a majority of their cash on fashion. According to research from Investment Bank, um, he says, while it's normal for young people to take pride in their wardrobes, and this isn't just for young people, remind them that those super cool outfits will go out of fashion <laughs> in the next five minutes, typically. <laughs> so he said the first thing that teenagers typically waste their money on is trendy clothes and shoes. The second thing is this, fast food vending machines, and coffee. <laughs> Fast food, vending machines, and coffee. The third thing he says is this, smartphones and apps on the smartphones. And again, I know this is going to hit deep with some of us, and we're like, nope, that's not true at all. But you think about this. He says, if you're a teenager, it would not be LOL, hashtag awesome, <laughs> to waste your money on these things. <laughs> Expensive smartphones are a status symbol these days. Some adults struggle with that. So are the cool apps that go along with them. Newsflash, last year's model makes calls just as well as this year's models, for much less. The fourth thing he says for teenagers, school dances, and I'm not just trying to hit on everything this morning. He says school dances. He says on average kids spend uh, their parents' money. <laughs> they, they spend an average of $1,000 on prom. He said, yikes, it's one night, people. Glittery, glittery shoes and limo rides aren't worth a mound of debt. Fifth thing he says is spring break trips. Even if you trust your teens in Cabo, it is, a, is it really a wise use of your money? Sixth thing he says is cars and accessories. Again, he's not saying you shouldn't buy a car, but a lot of times you know, we spend all this money on the accessories for the cars, right? To soup it up, to make it so much, so much better. Uh, seventh thing he says for teenagers is video games and consoles, because that's a tragic waste of a lot of time right there. Uh, another thing he says is concert tickets, concert tickets. Another thing he says is expensive dates. You know, once you get married, you realize how foolish some of those expensive dates really are. Sometimes it's just good just spending time with them and not just, you know, wasting a lot of money. Another thing he says is one-click online spending, and really, who in here is not guilty of that one, Right? One-click online spending. Now, I'm going to shift it from the teenager perspective. Now, this is his, his perspective to the adult perspective, what adults typically waste their money on. First thing is student loans. Student loans. The college graduate back in 2016 will pay back more than $35,000 in student loans. Second thing he says, similar to the, the teenager approach, is smartphone apps. <laughs> we love our games. Americans spent more than $20 billion on apps in 2015 alone. A third thing, and this is really going to hit deep with some people, gym memberships. <laughs> gym memberships. Sometimes it's foolishly spending. Why is it foolishly spending? Because we buy a membership in January, and then by April, we don't even go to the gym anymore. Now, it's not for everyone. Some people actually do go to the gym very frequently. They actually get their money's worth, but a lot of people don't. Uh, again, this is going to hit deep, and it's not, I'm not trying to preach on one specific person or group of people today. This is someone else's approach. You can look at it. It's right here. Uh, the fourth thing he says is daily coffee trips. You know, Trinity Street is an awesome place, is it not? It is. Right, Michael? He loves Trinity Street. But sometimes those daily coffee trips, as he says, are wasting money. Uh, fifth thing he says, 
Car payments. Some of you are already like tuning me out as I'm saying some of these things. The average car payment is almost $500 a month. If you're paying on your car, you're paying too much, he says. Sell the vehicle and buy something used with cash. That way you can save the almost $500 a month, upgrade to a $6,000 vehicle in one year, and be well on your way to driving cash-only cars for the rest of your life. Another thing he says is car leases. Let's stick with cars for a minute. Most auto companies make more money when they lease the vehicle than if you just buy it outright. A seventh thing he says is car wash upgrades. <laughs> Don't worry about getting the foam wax, the clear coat sealant, protective coating, wheel rocker, whatever it is. Uh, they all do about the same thing. Eighth thing he says is lottery tickets. All of these are like their own message you know, in, within themselves. And I know some of you are like cringing as I'm talking about some of these things today. Uh, the ninth thing he says is timeshares. And then the tenth thing he says is shipping charges, you know, when we don't have to pay shipping charges, but we do. So those are some things that, you know, he mentions that we foolishly squander, that we foolishly spend money on. And really, there, there's, a, there's a long list. All of us have foolishly invested in something or foolishly purchased something. Uh, I have a closet full of things that I've foolishly purchased, and, I, and I've shared that before. I am one of the world's worst about this. You know, I see something online, and on the model, it looks great. And then when I get it home, it doesn't fit like it fits on the model. Uh, I look at the model, I'm like, yeah, he's got the same type build as me, so it should fit. Uh, I think the, the, the funniest thing I did one time was a couple years ago, I bought some, I needed some more golf shorts, and I, I wanted some white golf shorts. And I bought them, and on the, you know, the golf model, they looked awesome. But then they came, they came to me, and I tried them on, and Amanda's like, you look like an old man in Florida you know, that's already retired. You know what I'm talking about? They got the white shorts, they got the, the socks up there and the white shoes and stuff like that. They didn't fit the way that the models showed that they fit. And then my foolishness is they stayed in the closet for two years and then Amanda finally found them a couple days ago. Why didn't you turn these back in? Oh, I forgot about them. Sorry. I've done that many times and who hasn't, right? We've foolishly spent things, spent money on things that we didn't really need. But let me go a little bit deeper this morning. Squanderers are a broader group some within this group are directionalist wasters. They waste by using life for far less than it was designed to accomplish. This includes people who are successful in the world's eyes. But like our last series, they're more concerned, listen to this, with trivial gains than eternal investments. They're more concerned with trivial gains than internal investments. Now, it's not wrong to invest your money. But I've thought about this. Too often we are more likely investing on capital gains for ourselves. Listen, instead of making eternal investments for his kingdom. Because as we looked at in Solomon's series, as we looked at in that study, sadly, one day our life is going to end. So what's it matter that we made millions of dollars on this earth? And I'm not against investing your money, I have investments. But I, the Lord has really hit me on this in the past several years. Why do I foolishly invest for myself when I could wisely invest into his kingdom, into the souls of others? Which is more important, investing in eternal investments, investments or investing in trivial investments? Which is more important? Eternal. It really is. And again, I, I know as I preach some of these things, some people are, are probably already tuning me out. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, actually, I do because the Bible knows what it's talking about. God knows what he's talking about. 
So if you really want to have the best life possible, then you will listen and apply some of these truths to your life. Let me simplify this. We exist on this earth to not make our name known. We exist on this earth to make his name known, to glorify our Father, to glorify our Savior. But how often in life do we exist for number one, right? Do we, do we save, do we invest for number one? My wife and I have had many conversations about this in the past couple of weeks, and, and we're trying to do more, to, to give more out, to invest in more eternal aspects instead of just trivial things that are, are more about us, that are more me-centered. But listen, we have a mission on this earth as a Christian, as a child of God. Our mission is to fulfill his purposes. Our mission is to do what God wants us to do. And listen, anything less than that is a tragic waste of our resources. And sadly, what happens is we squander the gift of life. We waste the life that God has given us on foolish investments. And again, I've talked about this when I graduated high school that I looked back over the past several years and I was like, what did I just do? I wasted so many years foolishly squandering, foolishly spending on things that really didn't matter. And the squandering and spending go hand in hand. Spending is, in a sense, it's that foolish and unwise spending that I'm talking about. Now, this aspect cuts deep, and it's more than just spending on things that you need. Listen to me. I'm also talking about spending your life. Now, listen. There are a lot of people here, and I've been guilty of this as well, that are all about the busyness. We hit on this in Solomon's series as well. They're all about the busyness. They thrive when their life is busy, when their life is, is doing things. And, and listen to me, it's very honorable. There are people uh, within our churches, there are people in the world that truly do live to give their lives. But sadly, some people are foolishly spending their lives and never allowing God to replenish their life. Foolishly spending their lives and never allowing God to replenish their lives. Here's what I mean. There are some honorable things that you can do with your, with your money, with your time, with your resources. Uh, you can invest in a lot of people. You can give to a lot of people. But I've seen tragically a lot of times when we do this, it's, it's at our own expense. It's at the expense of those closest to us, right? Because we're so focused on everyone else and giving of our life to them that we lose sight of the most important things. Remember that glass plate, plastic plate series? And one thing I've learned with spending your life is that sometimes it's foolishness because I never allow God to replenish. Rest is very important. I'm not just saying you have to get so many hours of sleep at night. Now, there are studies on that. But some people, it's like, you know what? I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> You know what, I, I got four hours, that, that's good enough. We are foolishly spending and not allowing God to put back. And you think about this. How can you spend, how can you give, continue to give out when there's nothing left to give? Because there's going to come a time when there's nothing left to give because you've given everything. That's why it's important on the spiritual side to allow God to replenish you. To allow God to fill you up. I realized the importance of that even last year. I had to get away myself just for a couple days and let God 
fill me up. Let God pour into me. Because I do spend my life spending my life for other people to try to help other people. But if I'm always spending and not allowing God to fill me up, eventually I'm going to ruin my life and I'm going to be done with my life. And really, it goes with that squandering. It's a tragic, tragic waste. And here's the point I'm trying to make here this morning. We were not created for perpetual motion. We were not created to be busy, 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 go, 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 go. But I have to get things done. Who in here doesn't have to get things done? I mean, people come to church and they're always like, you know what? I hope he's done before, you know, a certain time because I got to go. I got things to do. But what is most important is this, is hearing from God, hearing from his word, allowing God to fill you up so that you can go and spend your life wisely instead of foolishly. But we were not created for perpetual motion. We need rest in our lives. Listen, sometimes our busyness is nothing more than perpetual and pointless. I know it's hitting deep today. Our lives are not ours to spend foolishly. Our lives have been given to us to invest. And that leads us to that third principle. We're not supposed to be squanderers or spenders. We are supposed to be stewards. And a steward is one that is properly and purposely investing. And you think about it, what is more valuable and life-changing, spending or investing? To me, it's investing. Listen, a much better and more biblical option than spending our lives foolishly on things that we don't need or spending of ourselves and not allowing God to replenish us is stewarding our lives. Stewarding our life is recognizing that life is a gift from God, and I have a purpose to live it for his glory. God has entrusted us with a very serious responsibility. He's entrusted us to take our life and live it for him. A steward is one who spends by investment. They are a manager. Someone has entrusted things to them. If you work for a company and you're not the owner... If you're just an employer or a manager of the company, you are a steward of that company, meaning the company is not yours. It's your job to, to do your best for the company, for the owner of the company. Every parent in here knows that you have to teach and train your kids, right? And we've talked about this. Every parent in here knows the importance of training your kids in the things that are right. Now, there are certain things that we don't have to train our kids in, right? There are certain things that they just pick up on, whether we want them to or not. And I've talked about this before, but one of the things that they pick, on, pick up on is that theology of mine. <laughs> that this is mine. I never had to teach Nate or Noah to say mine or to steal something from their brother. Never had to teach them that. That's something they learned on their own. I have to try to teach them, my wife has to try to teach them to realize that everything isn't yours. And it's funny, someone actually came up with the toddler's creed, is what they said. Here's 10 things, quickly, of the toddler's creed. Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if I had it a while ago, it's mine. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I think we've witnessed this this week. <laughs> so have you. Number five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Number six, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. 
Number seven, if it looks like it's mine, it is mine. This is great for marriages too, right? Number eight, maybe that's the next series. Number eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. (laughs) Number nine, if you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And then number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) That's great. The great toddler creed. Should print that out and everyone have it, you know, to to share and put it up in your homes and stuff like that. But it's pretty funny. But there's a fundamental problem with this. It doesn't magically go away the older you get, does it? It actually gets worse. It gets far worse. You see, the issue of mine is still embedded deep within our hearts. In fact, whether you're a Christian or not, we're all dealing with some degree of mine. And one more thing before I get back to, to Genesis this morning. I came across this, this blog post this morning. Ten things I struggle with, and you probably do too. It's really kind of that mine, that me first attitude. Of, number one, I compare myself way too often. Number two, I worry about a lot. Number three, sometimes I don't feel like I'm good enough. Number four, I try to be perfect at everything. Number five, I care way too much about what other people think about me. Number six, I can sometimes be a control freak. Number seven, sometimes I'm pretty selfish. Number eight, I dwell on things. Number nine, I can be very impatient. Number 10, I expect way too much. You see, this attitude of mine doesn't just go away as we get older. It has to be taught, it has to be instructed, instilled within the person that everything doesn't belong to you. See, here's where I'm going this morning. Your life, my life, does not belong to us. If you want to understand biblical stewardship, then we have to understand the foundation of stewardship. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. Look there, if you would, this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. You know, this first chapter of Genesis is very important. You know, there's a lot of Christians today that believe in God, but have taken a theistic evolution approach. What I mean is they believe some of the Bible, they don't, but they don't believe that God created everything in six literal days. They don't believe that there was ever a flood that happened to destroy the earth. Here's, here's the point that I have to make. And it's really, it's so simple, but it's so fundamental and foundational for this whole series. Here's the first point. God is the creator of everything. God is the creator of everything. You see, in understanding a biblical approach of stewardship, we have to understand the very first five words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. You know, sometimes I struggle preaching things that I think are simplistic. Here's why I struggle with, because I think, well, everyone just gets it. Everyone should understand that. But does anybody else struggle with some of the basic things? I think all of us, really. You see, this is one of the most basic truths, but it's so fundamental. It's so foundational. God is the creator of everything. Turn quick at Psalm chapter 24. There's a couple of passages I want to look at this morning. Psalm chapter 24, verse number 1. 
The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. Now, again, I know we have a hard time understanding what our Bible says, but if it says the earth is the Lord's, somebody tell me, what does that mean? Thank you. It's the Lord's. This verse does not say the earth is yours, does it? Genesis 1.1, did it say, in the beginning, Chris created? No, that would be foolish. This world would not look the way that it needs to look like if Chris created it. But here's what we do. It goes back to the the Solomon series, the the series on, on meaningless. We think the earth revolves around us, but it doesn't. It revolves around God. He is the creator. He is the center of everything. In Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Turn over to Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89. I can give a lot of references for this. I'm not going to forsake a time, but the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. Psalm 89, verse number 11. The heavens are thine. You know what the author of this psalm is saying? The heavens are God's. The earth also is thine. They are his. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou, God, hast founded them. So the author here is trying to help us understand that everything in earth is God's. Everything in earth is God's. He is the creator. Again, it's so simple, yet so complex. And just a a quick illustration. I brought brought a basketball up here, and Nate saw it this morning. He's like, why do you have my basketball? Then I guess he was dribbling down the aisles and all that kind of stuff. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, Nate's, as as I said before, Nate's learning how to play basketball, and he's playing it fit and wise and has games on Saturdays, and and he has uh, practices on Tuesdays, and he's doing well. He really is. I'm you know, a proud parent. But at, at the same time, I've realized my own fault that sometimes I don't focus so much on the basics. <laughs> Here's what I mean. Sometimes you know, I focus on things that really don't matter. You know, one thing I, I was kind of playing around with them last week is like, you got to work on your celebration. You know, if you score, you got to work on your celebration. So you know, he scored yesterday. And uh, it was pretty funny. You know, he did all this stuff. Like, he was like, he was pointing up, and then he took the bow and arrow, and he was shooting, and then he did the, the whole three's eyes, and he was pushing it down. And then I stood up, and I was like, yep, it's my boy right there. <laughs> I was like, I got to work on some things. I got to work on some things. But I, in those funny moments, I realized, you know, when I played sports, when I played basketball, uh, there were times where if we had a bad game, you know what the coach would do? He's like, we're going back to the basics. This is a ball. <laughs> that is a hoop. This is how you dribble the ball. This is how you pass the ball. This is how you shoot the ball. And sometimes as I, as I thought about those and had those practices, I was like, man, this coach is stupid. Like, doesn't he know that we know the basics? Well, as I've gotten older, I realized, okay, I might have known the basics, but I didn't apply the basics. Because I was too concerned with other things that really weren't important. And again, God's word is pretty basic. It's pretty simple. God's word is very simple. It's very, uh, it's very easy to understand. And the basic of God's word is that in the beginning, God created. 
God is the creator. So sometimes in order to really have a thriving, meaningful Christian life, we must go back to the basics. Just like sometimes I have to go back to the basics with Nate. Here's how you dribble. Don't travel. Don't run with the ball. Here's how you dribble. Here's how you shoot. You know, the celebration, okay, it's fine, it's fun, whatever. But that's trivial. That's meaningless. It doesn't really matter. You see, you know what, you know what Psalm chapter 24, Genesis chapter 1 teaches? Here's three things, quickly. It teaches us that the earth belongs to the Lord. It teaches us that the contents within the earth belong to the Lord. And it teaches us that the people living on earth belong to the Lord. This is one of the most simple messages that I will ever preach. But if you can't understand this, if you can't grasp this, if you can't apply this, then you're going to struggle understanding what proper biblical stewardship is all about. Biblical stewardship begins with the fact that God is the creator. I am the creation. God is in charge. The earth is his. The contents within the earth are his. The people are his. Again, this message isn't about money, but also money is his. The reason why people can't give up their money is because they don't have a proper understanding of who God is. Everything that he has given you is his. He can take it if he wants it. And it's not about, well, he can't have my money, it's not yours. He can't have my life, it's not yours. He has given us this life to steward, to manage, because he has entrusted us with this life. God is the creator. He's also the redeemer. He redeemed the world through the death of Jesus Christ. The cross becomes the means by which people are rescued from their sins. C.S. Lewis, in his, in his book, Mere Christianity, says this, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment, is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your life to exclusively live for his service, you could not give him anything that was, in a sense, not already his. You see, this series comes down to a basic principle. It's the fundamental principle of ownership. It's the fact that God is the owner. We are not. We are stewards. We are managers of his resources. But I own my own, but I own my own business. But I own my house. Okay, that's fine, but it's still God's. It's still his. And again, we have to understand this. We have to realize what God is trying to tell us. You don't have to turn there, but let me read quickly. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 16. For by him were all things created. Who is the him? Jesus, God. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. By him all things consist. He is the head of the body of the church. What these verses are saying and what Paul is trying to get across is that God is the creator of and the owner of everything. So the first fundamental point that we have to understand is that God is the creator. The second point is this, back in Genesis chapter 1. God is the creator of everything, but let's continue in verse number 26, or verse number 27, sorry. So God created man in his own image. It says that in verse 26 as well. And God said, let us make man in our image. 
The second fundamental principle we have to realize is this. We are God's image bearers. We bear his image. Men and women as human beings have an intrinsic and God-given value, ability, decision-making. You know, God has entrusted us with our life, and he has allowed us to make decisions. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen to this, and I have this in your notes. To be the best steward possible, to be a good steward, it involves this. It involves developing your gifts while not being addicted to your gifts. God wants us to develop our gifts so that we can be more like him because we are made in his image, not our own. Here's what I mean. Just leave this up there for a minute. He wants us to develop our gifts and not be addicted to our gifts. It's easy to be addicted to our gifts. And what I mean is this. It's very easy to say, man, I am, I am something, right? I have the gift of whatever. I am talented in this. But addiction is never good. No matter what it involves, because addiction is really a form of idolatry. You see, you can be a bad steward by neglecting what God has given you. You can be a bad steward by worshiping what God has given you. God has given us this life, our resources, our talents, but a good steward is saying, you know what? He's given these to me so I can worship him, so I can live for him, not for yourself. Everything you have is for him. All the money you have is for him. All the talents you have are for him. Is it making sense this morning? It's all about him. You know, just like faith, stewardship requires action. As humans, we are to rule the world. God has entrusted us to rule the world. In verse 26 through 30, it talks about that. Basically, God gave us dominion over the earth. Not the fact that we are over and, and kings of the earth, but he gave us dominion to, to rule under him this earth. But the more we image bearers reproduce and fill the earth, listen, the more his image goes out. That's part of that, be fruitful and multiply. Just as God handed over the responsibility to the sun so that it would shine for God, God has handed over responsibility to us too. He has entrusted us so that we would govern and rule and steward his world for him. I think of that old song, this is my father's world. So what's the application of all of this? You see, God gave us these gifts. He gave us life. He gave us this earth to help us understand that we are not in control. 